Hello and welcome to Radius Coffee Talk. I'm your host, Liam O'Brien, community organizer here at Radius Cowork. Coffee Talk is a short-form podcast where I interview Radius members and share their stories, insights, and experiences. We hope that this podcast can help you learn a little bit more about one of our many members and help foster more connections in our community. For anyone tuning in for the first time, Radius Cowork is a co-working space located on the ninth floor of the Renaissance Building in downtown Erie, PA. We're passionate about Erie's downtown revitalization and contribute by providing freelancers, remote workers, and small businesses with better services, facilities, and community to get work done. Learn more about us at radiusco.work. With me today is Jessica Taylor. Jess is a native of Erie, PA, and a graduate of the Pennsylvania State University College of Communications, where she earned a BA in film and video. She launched Menagerie Studio in 2013 as a way to turn her passion for filmmaking into a lifelong career. Around Erie, she's known for her entrepreneurship and community development advocacy, and was featured as part of Erie Readers 40 Under 40 in 2017. The success of Menagerie Studio in the wake of Erie's renaissance has even caught the eye of major news outlets such as NPR. In 2017, Minaj produced Rust Belt New Americas, a film about the refugee experience, which has won several awards at film festivals nationwide. She and her husband Nick began their real estate investment journey and eventually co-founded Green Key Holdings. They now manage several properties along with their business partners. In 2022, she co-founded Liquid Light Factory, an extended reality installation design and technology firm, and handles marketing, business development, public relations, sales, and project management and project design. Jess, it's good to have you on Radius Coffee Talk. Thank you, Liam. I'm excited to be here. So I thought we would start with something that kind of surprised me. Um, When we were talking about what to talk about, you mentioned that you've pretended to be an extrovert your whole life. That surprises me because you have done a great job at pretending. (laughs) So tell me about that. Yeah, so I think that um, a lot of people conflate introvertedness with shyness. And I wouldn't consider myself shy, but I consider myself an introvert because I need to have my space and alone time in order to recharge. And a lot of times being out in the public eye or social engagements can be extremely exhausting to me. And, you know, when I started this business, it took me a long time to get comfortable with things like making phone calls and sales and things like that because it really is out of my comfort zone and something that I really had to develop and work to get over as I grew into being a business owner. That makes a lot of sense. I noticed through my few years of being in this space, um, whether it's like on social media or different places that people are talking about different business skills, like getting over that fear of rejection, whether it's like calling someone and doing a sales pitch or whether it's putting an idea out there and getting it shut down. That's such an important thing for new business owners especially to work on because it's tough. It's tough putting yourself in that spot. You know, and I feel like, you know, I want people to know that who may consider themselves introverted or even shy that you can learn how to develop those skills. Just because they're uncomfortable, there are ways to be able to teach yourself how to put yourself out there. And so don't let that be a deterrent if you have a passion of wanting to start a business. Yeah. Something that I remember hearing, I think it was on the Tim Ferriss show, was a good way to kind of get over that is when you go to get a coffee, ask for 10% off and don't give them any reason. Don't tell them that you're doing an experiment or something. Just say, hey, can I have 10% off? And just sit there in silence. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm going to try that. <laughs> I mean, and honestly, a lot of the times people will give you a little discount. Like I remember I, I was on a road trip and I was like, oh, I'm on a road trip. So it doesn't matter if I look like a fool in Kansas or whatever. And so then I would ask for a discount and I got it a few times. Well, you know, hey. <laughs> but I'm sure a few times people were just giving me that side eye and wondering why this kid from Pennsylvania with a mustache was asking for a discount. <laughs> so I guess going back to our interview, right, uh, what, what got you interested in filmmaking in the first place? Um, well, actually, um, when I was really young, as soon as I could hold a, a video camera and my parents' camcorder, I was fascinated by capturing, honestly, like everyday life. I used to walk around filming my family, which they loved. But um, <laughs> And my siblings, cousins, and I used to make movies as kids. I tended to be the director. But yeah, so that was the very early on interest in that and never did I really imagine that I could be doing this as a career but then later in life in high school I did a lot of video production for the school and for class projects and that's actually where Nick and I first started working together did our our senior video together and uh, we did music videos for his band but at still at that point I thought I wanted to go to school for either engineering or architecture and it wasn't until one of my teachers was like, hey, did you ever think about film school? And I was like, oh, I would love to do that, but is that feasible? But I, that's what I ended up doing. So I went to Penn State for film. So you met your husband, Nick, in your senior year. Was that at film school? No, actually, Nick and I met in high school and became very good friends. And that's where we first started actually working on video projects together. Okay, cool. So so then after high school, you go to film school for college. Mm -hmm. And then when did you decide to start Menagerie and how did that come into play? Well, um, at the end of college, I did a couple internships out in LA. And I felt at the time I was like, this is where I need to be. This is where the industry is. And one of those internships was for an independent production company out there. And working there, I realized how much they were struggling to compete in an oversaturated market. Um, and so after I graduated college, I came back home for a little bit and took a job at a car dealership working in a service department and, you know, trying to figure out what my next move was. And at the time, the reader was still somewhat in its infancy, but there were a lot of other businesses like web development firms starting up. And at that time, I was doing some freelance work for the reader. And through that network of people, they encouraged me to maybe start a business and get an LLC. And at that time, too, Nick had found an ad on Craigslist for a need for a Google trusted photographer in the Erie area. And he sent me that listing, and they required that you get insurance, LLC, you know, the basic business startup stuff. So Nick had went to school for accounting, and so he had a business background. So he ha actually helped me set everything up for the business at that time. But we still weren't technically working together because we were like, you know, we're boyfriend and girlfriend. That's ridiculous. We shouldn't be starting a business together. But it wasn't long after that that Nick was not liking his job, and he was like, you know, why don't I get on board and help you try to actually get this off the ground? Cool. It's so important to have a, a business person with an artistic person, I think. Like, I've seen it 
in my life and in a lot of other examples that like that is like a really killer combo. Well, and Nick is one of those people that sometimes I'm just secretly jealous of because he has both sides of the brain where he's got the the business side, but then he has the creative side as well, being a musician and and now years later he's pretty much our de facto DP on set. So, um but it was good because I knew absolutely nothing about running a business and <laughs> took zero business classes in college. So, but it is good to when you're starting a business to find people who can complement what you're trying to do that maybe aren't exactly like you, so that way you can get a well-balanced team together to actually get things going. Absolutely. So, as a production person myself, I want to dive into that a little bit more um selfishly. So, curious like what would be one of the biggest failures that you learned from the most in production mm. or your favorite failure in- oh favorite failure that is a good question um i feel like there isn't one specific thing that stands out but a lot of little defeats along the way i feel like it was constantly a few steps forward step back those kinds of things and i think the biggest hurdle that we had to get through in the very early years of Menagerie was figuring out a system and a schedule of work that could allow us to actually get work done. Because coming out of college, I was used to editing video projects anywhere from like midnight to three in the morning, you know, the night before something was due, or I wasn't a morning person. And And so early on, we quickly realized that we needed to have some sort of schedule in place that was dedicated work time. And um, and it wasn't until that point that I felt like we really started getting in a groove as far as being able to maintain business and be available during regular business hours for people and things like that. And so, you know, and I see a lot of freelancers sometimes can struggle with that time management side of things. And I was definitely one of them. So that was probably a big hurdle. And then the second is kind of what I I mentioned earlier, where I just was so uncomfortable doing sales. I hate asking people for money. It's really difficult for me to follow up with people or feel like I'm bugging them. And I... And my dad is in sales, and so he was the one that really encouraged me to just, you just got to get over that. You just got to pick up the phone. You got to stay on people. And nothing bad has ever come of that. It's so true. It's it's a hard thing for most people. I mean, some people I think are naturally good at that, but... Even for those people, they got to put some effort into it. Like, it, it's very backwards to how we're raised, I feel like, as a society. It's like respect people, like ask for permission, like all these things. But in sales, you kind of have to bug people. And yeah. in business, too, I feel like you kind of have to be okay with being a little abrasive when it's for a good thing. I think the best way to think about it is, like, you're out here to provide them with this service as value. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to help them, and it's in their best interest to hear you. Well, and that's a good point because – Gaining that confidence, I felt like, for lack of a better term, fake it till you make it really existed. I had to dress the part, play the part. People would ask us for services that we didn't provide yet, and I'd be like, well, we're going to figure it out. Sure. Um, And also being a woman, especially early on a young woman, you know, I was 23, so it could be very intimidating walking into a business 
mostly men, probably in their 50s and 60s and sit there and there's that feeling of like imposter syndrome syndrome there. So um, that was definitely something too where I'm like, you know what, I just got to act confident and believe in the product that I'm giving them. I know we do good work and yeah, and the rest has been history. So yeah, so so you guys have done menagerie for many years now. It's like seven years. Actually, this is going to be our tenth year. Ten years. That's yes. Crazy. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. So, twenty twenty three is our tenth year in business. So when did you guys decide to add real estate to your repertoire of business endeavors? Mm, well, about a year after we started Menagerie, Nick and I thought we should maybe move in together because at the time I was living at my parents' house and he was living at his parents. And we were going to rent an apartment, but Nick at the time had his real estate license. And at that time, the housing market was dirt cheap in Erie, like way before the the boom we saw recently. And we realized that we could get a house with a mortgage for like half the cost of rent, but, you know, needed assistance from our parents to in order to co-sign loans, which they did, um, fortunately. And but we paid for everything ourselves until we got the business going long enough that we could actually get the house in our name. So our first house we bought. And then a few years later, um, Nick always had his eye on the housing market and a property came up that was in real bad shape, really needed some love, and it was super cheap. And we had had a chunk of money that we were either like, should we pay off some college loans or should we invest in this property. So we kind of did the math on that and decided that the money would actually go further if we were to invest that in property rather than pay down some of those loans. And since we had owned our house, we were able to borrow against it in order to get a, you know, home equity loan in order to purchase the property as well. So we had that going for us. Um, but yeah, so from there, um, we started getting into, um, you know, renovating this property. It was, and it was so fun to, you know, take this beautiful old house that was kind of like left for dead and give it some new life. And, um, and then rather than do a traditional rental, we decided to do Airbnb and try that out. And that went really well. And so after about a year of that, um, you know, in that company, we, we, created a different entity for that called Green Key Holdings. And then a little bit after that, our friends were also looking to, friends slash Nick's family, <laughs> um, were looking to invest in property. So we decided to pull our resources together, become partners. And now we have one, two, three properties and five units. That's under awesome. That. Yeah. Wow. So a question I just thought of, I'm curious to see what your answer is. What similarities can you draw from your experience in real estate and in video production? Two very different things. Mm. What like if the, if you make the Venn diagram, what's that interlapping? <laughs> what are some of the intersections? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, just the process of starting a business in general. Um, we were able to apply a lot of those principles to starting this business in real estate. So just bank account accounting, all of that, um, making sure that we had all the bases covered for starting the actual company. But as far as some of the intersection, 
there is a creativity involved in renovating properties because you get to design the kitchen it's and like set design. yeah exactly <laughs> and especially for Airbnb when you have to furnish the place like it is it's like set design and it's been really fun to create spaces that are cool and unique and try things out that maybe would be a little too edgy to do in my own home but like get to create some cool spaces and furnish it with local art and um, make places that you know when people come to stay in Erie they can get a little taste too of like the culture here as well when they stay at our places. I've heard a little bit about how you guys set up your Airbnbs and I'll tell you what maybe I'll uh, take a vacation to one of your Airbnbs yeah, one of these days. <laughs> yeah um, but yeah we put a lot of love into these properties and it's been good because the four of us all are small business owners and this is a way to create somewhat of a side hustle in order to give us a little bit more security because when you're a business owner especially a small business owner it can be a little scary you know just all of your eggs in one basket so I think it makes total sense knowing your personality and knowing how you work. Uh, you were saying that you wanted to do architecture, and now you're kind of doing that a little bit through interior design. And um, also, you know, set design and, and production really correlates with that, building your space in Airbnb. And I think also the way that you pulled together your friends and family and kind of, like, produced this team, right? All these different skill sets that combine to make this one thing is very similar to production. Yeah, and I also grew up, uh, with my dad owning his own business, uh, my grandfather owning a business, my aunt owning a business. And so I was very familiar and comfortable with the idea of family working together. You know, a lot of people ask me like, oh, is it hard to work with your spouse and your sister-in-law and stuff? And and honestly, like, it feels really good to work with family and know that we're there supporting each other. And then it's a way that we also get to spend time together as well, um, working towards a common goal. Yeah, that's awesome. So as we wrap up here, I wanted to ask you about your newest endeavor, Liquid Light Factory. So I've been to one of the exhibits uh, or the one exhibit right now at Feed, and it was so cool. For people that aren't familiar, what what Liquid Light Factory – actually, why don't don't you tell us what Liquid Light Factory is? Yeah, so Liquid Light Factory is an extended reality installation design and technology firm – And for those who aren't familiar, extended reality is kind of an umbrella term for the intersection of art and technology. So think of things like the Van Gogh immersive experience or virtual production, things that um, exist in a real space but utilize technology to have somewhat of a virtual effect to those things. Whether it's VR headsets from Meta or it's Instagram filters that put stuff on your table. Yes. So that's it's a very broad term. And, um, and the reason we started Liquid Light Factory um, is because a few months ago, the Erie County Redevelopment Authority put out a request for a proposal for a exterior sculpture exhibit to be installed at the site that they're developing on 12th and Cherry. And our friend Brad, who owns both studios, which is a woodworking and metal fabrication shop, he got the RFP initially. And at the time, Nick and I had been looking into things like virtual production and projection mapping and just kind of playing around with these things. And Brad was like, hey, what if we teamed up and submitted a proposal 
where we pitched a sculpture that has projection mapping on it. And projection mapping is when you actually project an image on a 3D object and you map out the 3D object so that the projector knows only to project onto the surfaces that you tell it to. So we were like, well, none of us have ever done anything on this scale, but sure, why not? And so we worked to put together a proposal and did some research and created some prototypes just for our own sake to know that we can actually do something like this. And, you know, we felt like it might be a long shot, but it was a good way to just test out some of that some of that knowledge. And we ended up getting the contract for that. So the past few months, um, we've been deep into uh, research and development of some of our ideas. And so, as you mentioned, right now, some of those prototypes are set up at Feed Media Arts Center on 13th and State. And yeah, those will be up through spring. So if you haven't seen it, um, follow us on Instagram at Liquid Light Factory and stay tuned for uh, some updates and things on that. But yeah, it's that's a it's a very new venture, but I feel like it is almost the grand culmination of my interests as far as the art and design and some of that sort of like architecture part of me building things meets the technology, visual, video art side of things and and yeah, it's really exciting and we've been having a lot of fun working on this. I love to hear it. It's great to see someone find that unique intersection in the Venn diagram of your interest. So I'm really happy. Yeah. And then the last thing, too, that's kind of crazy that I kind of just thought of is the sculpture we're working on is actually using uh, restoration pieces from the building. So there's even that component, like being able to take something that's old and, again, decrepit and left and, and turn it into something new and beautiful. That's so cool. I'm excited to see what you guys do with it. So you you just mentioned the uh, Instagram for Liquid Life Factory, but if someone wants to know more about you or know more about Menagerie, what's the best way to learn more? Sure. Um, I'd say you can check us out on Instagram. So Menagerie Studio, M-E-N-A-J-E-R-I-E Studio, uh, Liquid Light Factory. And, and then I also have a personal Instagram, uh, Jessica Yoakum. Also, uh, you can visit menageriestudio.com or liquidlightfactory.com to check out where the latest events are and things are happening and some of our latest work. Sweet. Well, I'll make sure to put all of that in the show notes. And thank you again for coming on and having this awesome conversation. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been great. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Radius Coffee Talk. To learn more about the space, facilities, and community, or to schedule a tour to see it for yourself, please visit radiusco.org.